Hello, Mr. Arkin. Mr. Arkin. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Good to see you. What's going on? Uh, what's going on? I, I'm feeling fit as a fiddle. Um, after uh, being a little sick after the uh, old second shot. The second shot. Which you were there for. You very kindly uh, drove Amelia and I down to get our, our second shot. Yeah, I think uh, that where you got your second shot was uh, it was right around where they shot a lot of this movie um, in the, the, the. It's possible, yeah. It's the, totally possible. Yeah, wreckage of uh, of New York. Yeah, it was uh, like traveling back in time. Yeah, but we'll get there. We'll get to the movie. We got other things to talk about first. Yeah, yep. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm still dealing with uh, the last episode of Mayor of East Town. I'm still trying to grapple with uh, the events of the show. Did you see the latest episode? I did see the latest episode, and it actually, uh, I actually had difficulty sleeping afterwards. I was, uh, I was very upset. It was very upsetting. Um, we're not going to spoil it, but for but anybody, be on, be on guard for a sad time. That, that's exciting and sad exciting and and rough yeah yeah um, so i'm recovering from that um that was a lot of the week um and then uh, you know editing right and doing this yeah editing stuff i started watching a new netflix movie uh that has not been getting very good reviews uh and i um i only watched the first half hour of it but i'm planning on watching the rest of it the woman in the window oh uh Who's in that thriller with Amy yeah. Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony right. Mackie, Julianne Moore, another a favorite of mine, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yes, yeah, um, she's so great. I've and, heard uh, of it. I want to see Letts, it. Tracy Letts wrote the screenplay from a novel by somebody named A.J. Finn, and it's a, a bit of an homage to uh, Rear Window, except rather than having a broken leg, our main character, uh, rather than being a man with a broken leg, our main character is a woman with agoraphobia. But okay. Tra but trapped in the house by that and watching things out the window. Um, That's a, you know, it's a classic story. Who it's doesn't want to update story. that and see and that? It's a, and a terrific, it's a terrific cast. We've uh, seen it a few times. Yeah. Maybe only six or seven or eight times but it's a, it's still a good it's a good idea some of those setups don't get old but then the other excitement around here is you know i'm getting ready to take this trip and uh getting these uh our booze samples ready and um we have these uh we've actually been able to i've learned how to put these uh capsules on top these the safety wrap on the top that looks all nice and official yeah are you sure we haven't done that on the show already well except what i wanted to mention was that as i've been i said to mom i had to do a lot of them i had to uh, it's time consuming to get them all on there and have get them looking right uh they're called uh shrink capsules so i said to mom i said yeah i'm going to be working on uh i have to do the the shrink capsules and of course, what she heard was that I have to shrink the cats, is is what she heard. Um, Which sometimes you have to do. I can understand you why to, she. You have to shrink the cats. Was you know? Yeah. Thought maybe you had to do that. Yes. So I'm. Uh, that's what I'll be doing all this week is shrinking cats. Was she not paying attention, or were you mumbling again? 
uh, I think probably it's probably my fault. I'm or, kind of, did you say shrinking cats and tried to confuse said, her? I'm gaslighting her. Jeez, Matthew. It's like another classic movie tale. The, the movies, it's rear window, not gaslight. <laughs> so the, did you see this woman and lady in the in the window? I watched the first hour. Um, okay. But as you know, uh, I'm a, I get tired very early. Uh, so I, I, I plan on watching the rest of it. I was enjoying what I was seeing. I was getting a little creeped out. Okay. So. I want to see it. I want to see you know it. me. I do know you. Yes. I like, I like getting creeped out. Yeah. Um, another thing that, uh, this didn't happen this week. This has happened over the past several weeks, but I've really been getting into this and, uh, I don't know if, um, you know, uh, I'm sure and knew well before I did about lo-fi music the the you know about that don't you lo-fi i don't i don't in what in what context it's it's a, a a kind of music now that you can get on youtube channels or on on your uh your uh apple music or your your spotify which is what i subscribe to and it's a style of music called lo-fi and it it has a kind of like other sound in the background almost like sometimes a little traffic noise it has the crackling maybe of a dusty record um so it's got this sort of strange underlaid sounds sound. like it sounds like no fi no fi yeah very but. little fi <laughs> um but they have what all, what are you listening to i'm is it is it just ambient noises of city streets it, it, and things it, like that no it, it is music but it's very simple um very simple music not uh uh and and the the channels that i've been listening to are great for studying or working when you when you need that sort of background noise, it's almost a modern take on Muzak. Um, the, it's much better. Can you, than why that. don't you? Can you play a sample? Oh, I, I suppose I could. Why don't play you play a, an example? And I, example. I'm sure it sounds like other things, like Deep House, or like that stuff you hear when you go into an aromatherapy store right and you're well, like is that music or is that a water fountain and i wonder like, if that's be... the musical water fountain for 99 well, i might be breaking a uh, a youtube law by doing this oh my I'll, god I'll give it a try um let me find one of the uh channels that i listen to right here here we go um tell me if can Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I would call that, um, what would I call that? Lo-fi. I would call that uh, corporate video, uh, corporate cheeseburger video. Yes, but they put this other sound underneath it and around mm. um, I have that in my own life. <laughs> That's like putting on a record. All right, never mind then. I'm sorry. I'm so you listen saying... to lo you listen to lo-fi while you do your bujo journal. You have so popped into the <laughs> new age of yeah, whatever this is. But you, have, you it, drank the Kool-Aid big time. I have. But what it is spectacular for is helping you focus when I'm trying to work or study. Um it maybe okay. Okay. It uh and I'm not alone in this. There are many, 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 many YouTube channels 
and Spotify channels that are devoted to this music. Yes. There's also many of them that are devoted to people putting a microphone by a can of cat food and opening it very slowly. <laughs> or people shrinking the cat. Yeah. And yeah. look, I've, I'm into all kinds of great, crazy, weird stuff that I've liked in my life. I just, it, other other people's crazy, st interesting, weird stuff doesn't have to be. I don't, I, you know, for me, study music would be more like the Misfits or you know, yes. some early okay. Slayer. Yeah. Well, Seth Michael May says that Kool-Aid or Otter Pops have done this. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Exactly, uh, Seth. What did I tell you? See, I told you I knew that we would have at least somebody uh, uh, joining us tonight. Yeah. I believed in it. And Seth, there, there, there he is. There he is. I, Thank Seth. God somebody is out there watching us. If you want, if you want Seth to tune into your podcast you you would be wise to include an, some animal horror movie some kind of horror movie involving animals he's he's going to be there oh okay yeah that he he, he uh there and there is a subgenre of it that's very real and it's great there are a lot of animal horror movies out there we actually have an animal horror movie um in our uh family history uh we we do we we have a werewolf movie yeah that's we, the one you're talking about right we do we yeah. do have a uh we do i'm gonna i've got a little screen share i can do here um if we want to see something really spectacular um there we go right there okay. we there's uh there's our brother Adam. There's our brother um, Adam as the wolf, the wolf, the teenage wolf man. Uh, full moon high. Full moon high from what 81 or something? I'm 1981. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. And what what's interesting is that 1981 was the howling, an American werewolf in London, and full moon high. Yeah. It yep. was a weirdly big werewolf year. I don't know. The decade was a big decade, a big werewolf decade. We we had the the uh, Wolfen, which was also eighty one. We're talking about so eighty one was the Wolfman Howling American the Wolfman, the Wolfman, <laughs> the Wolfman. Nineteen eighty four brought us the Company of Wolves. Uh, Nineteen eighty five brought us Teen Wolf. And Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. Right, yeah. I missed that one. Was uh, was Jim Murtaugh in that? I don't know. Jim Murtaugh's in all of these. In all of these. Yeah. And 1987 brought us Teen Wolf 2 and Howling 3. Yeah, they did make a Howling 2 and 3. Um, uh, Philippe Mora directed Howling 3. Or 2. One or, or 2 or 3. Philippe Mora, who directed Return of Captain Invincible. Return of Captain Invincible. Yeah. So our our dad, you know, uh, as, played as a superhero a, before it was superhero. cool. Yeah. Way before wow. it was cool. This wow. is like eighty six or eighty six or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And um, Crazy. in Australia. Yeah. And it was the tail end of the great, incredibly great Australian grindhouse era of films they just had one of the great grindhouse industries down there yeah um and, and christopher lee was in that movie as the christopher lee was in it 
And, and it's not only a superhero movie, it's a musical. A musical and a comedy with yeah. laughs in it. Yeah. So yeah, go out there and try and find that one. Quite something. Quite yeah. something. It's actually really kind of a, a great movie in its own. I mean, it, it it's a cult classic and it's got a reputation. It's very funny. Watching Christopher Lee sing uh, the Dr. Evil songs is one of the great things in the world. Pretty, well, he people don't know that he was an opera singer. He was. This he was amazing a great singer. Voice. Yeah. Amazing voice. So why don't you introduce us to tonight's uh, subject? Wolfen. 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 Which one might argue isn't ends up not being a werewolf movie it uh it well you know here is exactly why as a young person i left the theater disgusted <laughs> and why i think on this watch i had a little bit of a better time yeah i i enjoyed it too but i i had forgotten that it actually isn't a werewolf movie yeah no it's not and it keeps fooling you you keep thinking hey Oh, it's a oh, it's not yeah. a werewolf movie. Be forewarned: the most werewolf you're gonna get is a naked Eddie Olmos <laughs> running around on a beach. Yeah, growling, growling. Uh, Edward James Olmos, a great actor with no makeup or special effects, a, other than a very, a very pronounced uh, modesty pouch merkin. At one point, you get a good, definitely, a good shot definitely of. rocking the modest, the 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 you know the modesty pouch was was in in place. Everything was 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 except proper. it was a furry it was a furry modesty pouch. It was more of a merkin. I'm gonna I'll say, <laughs> but um, you know, and now listen, Edward James almost back up. Great actor. Who's gonna deny? Oh, and, and he's he's actually great in this movie. It may be except for the scene, but who could be great in that scene? Actually, Ooh. you know, I would argue that he's real. I actually think that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and I think he's really good in it. You do because I felt like he really sold. That's where I thought, oh, here come the special effects. He really sold that whole moment of from American Werewolf in London, right? pre-transformation and then the transformation doesn't come and you realize he's just fucking with albert finney yeah that's when as a, as a kid part of my childhood just died i was like <laughs> wait a minute i'm here to see a werewolf movie and instead i'm there's a naked man on running around on a beach growling doing I'm like i know i know the difference yeah werewolf I know. interpretive dance yeah he's doing. no yeah. i mean yeah I, I i'm not gonna argue with you he's great he was great in it uh, the scene is, I don't think he was well served by how they made the scene around his performance. Let's let's put it that way. Anyway, what is this movie? Tell us about it. No, you tell us about it. You're Me? the wolf man. I'm the wolf man. <laughs> Wolfen! From 1981. Uh, directed by somebody named Michael Wadley. Yes, uh, a, a, a documentary director. This, this, one of the stranger tales behind this. I, I, I actually don't even know what's behind it, but I just, this guy is, is it an interesting combination of, of things in his background. The, the director of Woodstock, the movie Woodstock. Yes. Um, directed this movie. And th that is about it. Yeah. Like he, he made the movie Woodstock. 
I guess he probably could have lived off of that for the rest of his life, and he maybe should have, but then he made Wolfen. Right. Because when you when you think Woodstock, you think rampaging Bronx vampire, uh, werewolf. You think it. You think yeah. you're like, yeah, I could see. Yeah. And did you know that they want that Dustin Hoffman wanted to do this yes. movie? Which was strange. The only role he he didn't get. Uh, you know, if you had told me that they wanted Dustin Hoffman, I I I would have said, of course. But then when you say that Dustin Hoffman wanted it. <laughs> That's when you get a little confused. Like, like, yeah, very confused. He had to wait until Outbreak to get his big sci-fi movie. Yeah. And it didn't, it, 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 it he's not suited for it. No, no. Um, so keep going. Tell us about. Wolf. So anyway, this movie, Wolfen, is directed by Michael Wadley, who directed uh, the documentary Woodstock, which is uh, not a horror movie. Um. It's not about a little yellow bird following a uh, following Snoopy around. It's it's not about that. Uh, no, I I don't think anybody's gonna get that because I didn't even at first I was you like you don't know what's there. No, now I know. I know Woodstock. Yes, the bird. Yes. Uh, they don't like Wolfen though. They didn't tune into the show because they don't like Wolfen. I guarantee. <laughs> Okay, I'll edit that <laughs> part out. Um, so this movie is directed by by uh, Michael Wadley, uh, and it it's writ it's written well. It's based on the novel by Whitley Strieber, which is kind of interesting because Whitley Strieber later went on to be a, the most famous abdu abducted uh, person, uh, a, a UFO abductee, I should say. Yes, um, Patty Hearst is the most famous abducted person. That's probably true. Yeah. Or, or the 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 wasn't there a um, a, the Lindbergh baby was uh, was a was a they thought was abducted, but it wasn't. No, something it was bad. It was another something else happened? That was a long time ago. No. I, how did we get to Lindbergh baby? He, that's crazy. Okay, so um, Whitley Strieber, uh, who wrote Communion, that crazy book Communion about uh, his apparent uh, alien abduction wrote this this book uh, called Wolfen. And I think this is partly why people, when he did communion, they went, you know, they're not going to believe you. And he went, why? He goes, they go, because you wrote, you wrote Wolfen. You write fantasy horror <laughs> movie books. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the movie. It stars Albert Finney, Diane Venora, Edward James Olmos, as we said, um, and some other interesting people, Tom Noonan, who is always interesting and great to watch. Yeah. And of course, the absolutely great, one of the great, great, greatest Gregory Hines, who Gregory Hines. I hadn't seen in a while and I missed him more than I knew. So good. He's so good. And he doesn't even do any dancing in this movie. He does some karate chops on a door he and, does. and he does some spins and kind of kicks a door closed. I couldn't do that. I also want to give a shout out to a couple of other actors. Um, Dick O'Neill, who's the, the sergeant or the lieutenant or the it, captain. One of the great character actors ever. Yeah. And just has a look of bewildered astonishment on his face through the entire movie. It's always, uh, yeah, it's always bewilderment. Sorry, my yeah. phone's dinging and going crazy. Why are you? Stop it. Stop it. And James um, Tolkien plays uh, Baldy. Uh, he's great who, yeah. who people will remember as the uh 
the uh, captain of the aircraft carrier that Maverick buzzes in um, in uh, Top Gun. Little movie called Top Gun, folks. Little movie called called Top Gun, and uh, and then um, there's a fellow who plays the mayor, Sam Gray. Very small part. Who I had the privilege of working with twice, and I just want to give him a shout out because he was one of the true gentlemen in this business. No kidding. One of the sweetest guys. He played my father in a in a in a not very good off Broadway play called The King of Carpets. Hard to believe that that wasn't with a great- I, That's a really catchy title, though. Yeah, and uh, and then he played Justice Frankfurter in a TV movie about Brown versus the Board of Education, and I played his clerk. Um, and he also, I sort of credit him with kickstarting my voiceover career um, because he taught me an by accident taught me an awful lot, taught me something about voiceover and. Immediately after he taught me that, I started booking, and I attributed that all to him. Oh, wow. So uh, just a, a really nice memory to see him pop up on the screen there. And there there you have it. So the movie is about... Okay, so the movie is about... Well, let's just let's do the IMDb, what they say in IMDb, because... Okay. Okay, IMDb says a New York cop investigates a series of brutal deaths that resemble animal attacks, which is true. A really boring, dry analysis of the movie. Yes, um, analysis. It's actually about um, a, an ancient tribe of of mystical wolves that uh that inhabit um now modern urban places that are kind of run down and and they hunt um they hunt uh you know people uh who are sick or you know the wounded or the injured of society and that's their pact with us and uh you know it's it's a very mystical very mystical movie so i can you know you can kind of see the woodstock connection yeah and the and the mystery begins when um when a a very uh well-connected rich scion of power new york city real estate developer um uh, and his wife are murdered right after the groundbreaking ceremony for a huge new development in the South Bronx. And as the plot develops, it turns out that that's going to destroy their hunting ground. And that's why they yes. left their hunting ground and, and committed a, and murdered some or eaten somebody who right. would draw the attention of the authorities rather than because apparently for hundreds of years they've been feeding off the dregs of society and we never notice that anything's missing. Anything. Right. Now we say this and completely spoil it for you because if you're going expecting Wolfen, the movie that the poster looks like and the movie that you're promised and the movie that you think you're going to get when you see the trailer and the thing that it should be, kind of, you don't <laughs> get that and you get very upset. You do not get you, it at you get, all. And you get glum and your parents take you to get ice cream and then you drops on the sidewalk. <laughs> and you wow. don't have time to go get another one. So they, they get in the car and stop pouting. And it really <laughs> just wrecks your whole 
No, none of that's was. none of that happened. But I'm trying to save anybody that the those feelings. It does hurt. It no, it hurts. Um, Albert Finney <coughs> goes like full Rambo in the Bronx with a with a pack of mystical wolves. If you if if you're sold that. That's a you're gonna enjoy this a lot better than than if you oh, think you're going oh, to see Wolfen. I, I would say he goes full sleepy Rambo. It's it's Finny Rambo, yeah. He go, it's very oh, sleepy. Hungover. There is Dis- no there is no other Finny, though, is there? Yeah. It's the, always the sleepy dissipated Rambo. <laughs> sleepy Finny. Yeah. Um uh it does though. Uh, have some wonderful there is a moment in this movie that the only moment in the whole movie that I remember having seen it in 1981 so 40 years ago and I still remember Gregory Hines saying do you realize how many people disappear vanish every year without a trace I think I know where they're going and then he points into his mouth (laughs) great moment cracked me up so much the first time I saw this movie and I still remember that I think I remember it too and I think that's because it was in the trailer Uh, this trailer this trailer played all the time I remember hearing this on the radio and seeing it on the uh, on TV all the time and uh, I you know what really was freaky I didn't know how violent this movie is this movie is really violent yeah and i must have seen it on television because i was too young to see it in the theater probably in 81 so i probably saw it when i got to cable or tv and i think they edited out the a lot of this because there is beheadings and beheadings and throat rips and just a lot of gore is there is a truly for the time a truly amazing coroner's office scene you know, I was going to bring that up. It, it it's it's the most lifelike to the point where I was like, you know what? I think they just went into the morgue. I mean, it was big. There were bodies all over the place. There were pe- bored people dealing with them. There was none of that fancy, you know, clean. Uh, no, it was I- it was CIS. It was a real morgue. Clearly, a real place. Yeah. But I don't know that they dressed that with extras, if you want to. It really looked real, dude. Yeah, and just bodies in states of disarray all over the place. You know, him. Um, I, re- I remembered vividly him eating those powdered donuts during that, during that scene. And uh, that's such a great character touch. He that, does it to he does it to just so he doesn't throw up. He's trying to yeah. keep something in his stomach and he's so hungover. Which yeah. I love that at that point in his career, I guess kind of like kind of like, you know, other actors of his of his ilk. He didn't have the joke was that he was hungover. He didn't have to establish that the character was a drinker or right. that, you know, he had a problem with anything. It, you just meet him. And the whole movie is about how hungover he is. And you're like, oh, I guess he was all he's hungover all the time. Yeah. So let's write it that way. (laughs) (laughs) They also, they had a great deal of fun. Somebody had a great deal of fun with parts of this script. Because when, when when the real estate magnate and his wife 
are killed in lower in Battery Park City, the park before it was Battery Park City, I guess just it's just a park at the time. And um uh uh Finney and Hines are done looking at the bodies and they walk away and you hear what Heinz or Finney says, be careful with the, and you hear clunk, right? Cause they're talking about how her head was torn yeah, yeah. clean off. So good. And, 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 and then the, you hear them say, be careful with the, and you hear clunk. And they're like, oh, <laughs> off the rest of her body. And, Fantastic. and they have this great, a la Richard Lester Walla, you know, the, of the guys saying, I'm not going to pick it up. You hear, you hear in the distance, I'm not picking it up. You pick it up. You know? yeah. like, great. And then they have the great line where he's, where she's describing, where Diane Venora is described, somebody's describing different terrorist organizations and he's shoving a New York City hot dog in his mouth as she's listing off the different terrorist organizations. And as he shoves a hot dog in his mouth, she says, there's the Unamundo. They slash off the male genitalia, the cock and balls. They stuff them into their victims' mouths. Just as he's shoving this hot dog yes, in his mouth. there's an element of shamelessness to it, yeah, sure. And then in the morgue, uh, Gregory Hines and, and Tom Noonan are talking at one point, and and as Finney's walking away and there's the, he says, uh, you want to, uh, you know, I missed dinner for this. You want to order a pizza? And, and Gregory Hines says, no, no, I feel like some ribs tonight. <laughs> it's in the morgue. Uh, <laughs> just, and yeah. then the great black moon over Manhattan. Uh, yeah, when, great when, moment. When Gregory Hines moons him. <laughs> there's there's stakeout. He there's, moons him on stakeout. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and there, and there, we could start and with a couple of quibbles. I, I, I mean, I don't know why the cor the coroner is on a stakeout. Why okay. is that? Oh, oh, are we? We're gonna go there. We're gonna go to the things that are wrong with this movie so early. Do we have time to cover the plot holes? Well, I don't. I don't know what to say. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I had a great time. I, I would I would watch it. I'd probably watch it again tonight. Honestly, yeah, but don't with, ask any questions while you're watching. No, you know, for instance, no. at the end. For instance, at the end, for what possible reason has he gone to the top to the guy's to the guy's office? How did he get in? How well, did he get I mean, in? I know how why he gets in, but why did he go there? And yeah. it makes why no, did yeah. he go there? Why did the cops come looking for him there? Why do the wolves come looking for him there? Why do the cops come looking for him there? None of it makes any no. sense at all. There was a section in the middle that was literally a section of just Gregory Hines talking information in the morgue, talking about body parts. We had to rewind <laughs> it five times to, to try to figure out what was happening because the plot was actually getting divulged here. And we didn't know what was going on. And we kept thinking we'd missed something. We we're like, oh, I drifted off. Must have just not paid attention five times. And we we just gave up. We were like, I don't think we're ever going to understand it. He delivers a piece of dialogue that makes no sense. <laughs> Did you write it down for us? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it had to do, it had to do with the, uh, with the, 
these organs, these diseased organs. He's talking oh, right, about right that they eat. They don't eat the diseased organs. They kill right. people. They eat them, but they know not to eat the disease. Yes, they. Yeah. That's that's clarified in it. But what's not clear is all of a sudden he brings up this giant buffet tray of other organs that they found in the city and they're they they they're like i wonder if this has anything to do with the with the with this murder case but they weren't these other people weren't eaten so i don't understand i didn't understand the rich couples is isn't eaten and they don't have, they look like they don't have a disease that's right but they were they were killed because they threatened the Oh, so that was a ritual killing. Okay. Yeah, they, they were that. they were killed because they were a threat to the hunting ground. But you'd still eat them. You'd think that would be even better. <laughs> yeah, really. They you were rich, so they'd probably they be, taste great. They'd probably be delicious. Yeah. Seth Michael May says that Finney looks like Jimmy Breslin in this movie. You know, same haircut. Seth, I thought the same thing, and I was like, you know, he was playing. I bet you anything, he was playing Breslin. And he was doing it on purpose. He looks so much like him. Really um, true. So let's uh, can we talk a little bit about some uh, some of the uh, technical aspects of this movie that I thought were kind of amazing? I would uh, love to. The location, yeah, crazy, crazy South Bronx. The the real stuff, except for do you know about the church? That much I in the do, movie? I do. Yeah, they they actually built a church and then burnt it down. Yeah. And that's what all those scenes are shot in, and yeah. which is extraordinary because you can tell it's not a set. No, it's it's it it is incredibly real and incredibly brilliantly placed in that real environment because it's it's in the middle of this incredibly huge plaza in the South Bronx, which has been just decimated. It, it looks like a if you're not familiar with what the Bronx looked like or the South Bronx looked like in in the 70s and the early 80s think about what beirut looked like in the 80s it truly yeah. truly looks like that and and it it's just uh it's it's really shocking it's you can also see it in um in um the french connection as well um similar similar areas that they were shooting in yeah uh, you you would think oh they must have gone somewhere else they must have flown to some foreign country and shot there you can't believe that this is theoretically new york the greatest city yeah. you know, one of the greatest cities in the world and that there's this huge acres upon acres upon acres of just it looks like bombed out buildings yeah. burnout bombed out crazy. building Completely um, crazy. and uh, they you know they make great use of it as a backdrop and they also they also you know make an interesting statement about it i don't it didn't feel like they were it felt like they they were not using the bronx but kind of working with the bronx in a in a in a, in a kind of an interesting way yeah. rather than it didn't feel like it was you know um i don't know i didn't i didn't find it like offensive or anything as a new yorker like how no how, not at all and paul silbert was the uh, production designer same production designer as one of our other favorite New York movies, Nighthawks. Of course, one of the <laughs> he's one of the great. Yeah, he's one of the great uh, designers. Nighthawks, another fantastic looking New York movie. Um, this was a really cool looking movie. I was surprised. You know, I, 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 
changed gears a couple times. I thought that for the first 15 minutes mm-hmm. that I was, we were in for like a, like a great, like, wow, this is one I, I can't believe how great it is to, oh, this is, oh, this is one of those movies. It's still great, but it's like, right. it's a cult movie and it's ridiculous. And there is no sense to be made yeah. at all. But I know what you're talking about at the about the beginning. Apparently, the first use of the thermographic camera yeah. was later put to such great use in Predator, right? Yes. And um and the Wolfen the Wolfencom. The Wolfencom is pretty the Wolfencom, good. The thermographic Wolfencom. Um yeah, Wolfencom is great. That imagery is really cool. Do you I'm... think that was a Jaws influence at all? Uh I would, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jaws was still was still influencing everything around it, even years later. Because this I mean, are you seventy six? Jaws was seventy. No, yeah, seventy six. I think seventy five or seventy six, somewhere yeah. right in there. And this was eighty one. So, but just the whole. POV coming up on the, you know, stalking your victim the way the shark oh, yeah. did. Yeah, there, I mean, but that, uh, you know, I don't think there was a movie. Uh, you've got to give Seth Michael May a job, man. Seth Michael May, 76. Uh, Seth Michael May should actually just be our producer while the show is going on. He's the only one paying attention. I think he is the producer. <laughs> we, if we, the problem is if we make him a producer, then only mom is watching the show. Well, he if he just logs in on another device, you know, if he just yeah. logs in on another device, then it then it's uh, he's still watching. Yeah, and he can be the one curating the the hundreds of comments that are coming <laughs> so that we know which. Uh... Indeed, indeed. <laughs> My mom says, "Hire me now." <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we'll take it under advisement. We yeah. definitely um, we definitely need help. We yeah we we really need help. We really do need help. Um, I, I, also, I, I go ahead. I also understand that. Um, oh well, a couple other things. Amazing, the Diane Venora. Diane Venora, yes, but she's not a technical aspect of the movie. Sorry, we'll get back to her. But the scene on the bridge of Finney, Albert Finney. Are you kidding me? The two of them up there, almost, and there. Finney. I'd never do that. What the hell were they thinking, man? I mean, I know Eddie Olmos that, was thinking, I, uh, I have an acting job and I'm just going to act because I'd never get to yeah. work. But Albert Finney, yeah, but Albert Finney was too old and too hungover to be up there. I'm sorry. Come yeah. on. Completely insane. He looked it terrified. Reminded, it reminded me uh, to go back to family traditions again. Yes. It reminded me Freely. of freebie in the bean yeah yeah absolutely when, when i'm going crazy i'm going crazy up there. Go up i'm going crazy I'm the... <laughs> yeah the only um, thing yeah that james con's impersonation of dad going crazy in that yeah, movie so i was i was freaked out by the heights oh the... it was awful dude i was i was yeah i was very uncomfortable watching that it, it, it you, you you have to see it to believe it folks they are on top of uh, which bridge was it? I think the it Manhattan? was the Manhattan or the Brooklyn. Probably the Manhattan. I think it was the Manhattan Bridge. And they're and, up um, at the top of one of the, 
the support towers just at the very top and they don't they have they have stuff that they've been on and off like hooking themselves onto for some kind of basic safety which is set like 70s safety which isn't safe at all anyway yeah. like not at all no and then they take they take these clips off and there's these wide angle shots where you clearly see they're not they're just standing they're in the wind in. on top of this thing yeah yeah it was that was freaky that's and it was high up that's a huge bridge there was nothing that was uh, that was very upsetting Seth says that his fear of heights is insane and that scene triggers it. Well, I can imagine there's a, there's a Seth, you probably know this one too. There's a scene from a movie. I believe it's got Sean Connery in it. I'm not going to go to IMDb. Oh, but it's an, it's an Alaskan adventure movie where a dirigible like explodes and blows in half and and drifts apart and you see like the people that are left inside the like shell of the dirigible just floating away in oh the atmosphere and it is completely terrifying um so yeah uh wolfen I'm, I'm the heights thing is just tremendous now do you like this movie enough that you wish you could see get a hold of and see the four and a half hours the four and a half hour director's cut yes i do <laughs> yeah i would do that but but, but primarily because it's it's the guy who made woodstock, woodstock. you know right. like i i think i think you'd, I, there's a good case to to think it'd be a, a much better version than this because i think there were some things that didn't make sense that he that probably made sense in the four hour cut and if i could argue the missing ingredient was just like more lore more legend more leading up to the more it, four it, and a half hours it's like berlin it's like wolfen alexanderplatz <laughs> wolfenplatz <laughs> Alan King produced Wolfen. This is true. Really? Yeah. Figure all of this out. I cannot. Unbelievable. Um, so go back. You you mentioned Diane Venora. Yeah. Who was unknown at the time. I think she was completely unknown. I believe she was a Juilliard graduate at this point. What a wonderful job she does. She's great. I mean, and a I... very interesting look that she has not a traditional sort of um uh you know ingenue leading there's i'm i sound like i'm i'm insulting her she's you're in trouble you're already getting in trouble i don't know what are you doing she's quite beautiful but but not you know not your uh run-of-the-mill um uh look well, I mean, I think she seems like she was hired not only when well, she can act, but she was also hired because she looks like she could be a cop. She looks kind of like, you know, she looks like a, a person of authority. Can we agree, though, the worst love scene ever? No, How... it's not, but it's close. <laughs> I mean, that it's it, the second it worst. ends with him ha- taking a having a scotch in a bath after a cigar. After multiple cigars, let's face it. And then it moves on to making love, right? In in Wolfen in in Wolfovision and with the audio portion of that, there see the wolves can pick up 
things that during a love scene you'd rather probably not hear. <laughs> Especially it's like THX, the audience is leaving. Finney, especially leaving. if it's Albert Finney and a and a woman 30 years younger than him, who um, in no in no world would ever get into bed with him. There, there is only one love scene that's worse, and it and it in this this uh, are you love scene. Go to three days of the condor. No, no, there's there is a to me, there is literally this the the worst is is uh superfly. Oh, I don't know that love scene. This is a great movie, uh, <laughs> but the, there was there's some technical issues with the with the love scene in that movie that are are among the most jaw droppingly fantastic I you could have ever imagined. Really? Okay, I'll have to check yes. that. Out. Worse, worse even than uh, the room. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, okay, the room, you know, in a way we got to put the room in a penalty box. I, the room, because it's like, <laughs> is it the best movie? Yes. Is it the worst movie? Yes. Is it the best <laughs> love scene? Yes. Everything about it. So it wins best everything. Okay. But, but literally Superfly is, is the, the, is a love scene in a, in a bubble bath, in a bathtub. And the bathtub is not, big enough for the two of them and they the the they they captured some live audio here so it's just squeaking it's just you hear like <laughs> it's so awkward and it's very sloshy and it's it sounds like it was recorded in a very small bathroom which it was with very echoey walls and it sounds like wolfen it sounds exactly like wolfen it sounds like what they hear so yeah oh my gosh oh my goodness yeah i didn't need to see uh albert finney in a bath i kind of closed i kind of looked between my fingers at that point <laughs> yeah i'm going to be honest it's yeah. like when, it's like when you were little and your dad took you no the, you love it you go come for a schwitz and you, no. just, you were uncomfortable no were, i i schwitz alone he didn't you. want to be around a whole bunch of naked jewish old jewish men i schwitz alone <laughs> i schwitz alone the anthony argan story um yeah uh yeah that wasn't something i, I really i i can't tell you i saw it all because i did look away i had to avert my eyes uh there's one shot in this film that I thought was uh, pretty wonderful visual storytelling effect. Do you know what I'm talking about? When he's when he's really started to come to grips with the idea that this is not a murder, but this is you know some spiritual wolf thing going on, and it shatters his um, worldview. And we get this shot here, um, which reminded me of. Oh, yeah. Touch of evil. There you go. Yep. There's just the the many, many panels of mirrors and we see his him completely split apart. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and it uh, reminded me of you talking about that shot from um, from uh, the president's analyst when um godfrey cambridge's you see his head reflected in the mirror the of the table, table. And yeah it's showing that he's been blown yeah. open yeah. yeah reminded me of that 
Um, yeah, that's true. That's pretty cool. And look, you know, who cares where these ideas come from? I, I think that uh, Richard Silbert came back from a thrift store with a lot of shiny uh, Venetian blinds. And he was like, we've got to make the set look like something wildly because you've shot for like five days and you've just shot in the burning rubble of the South Bronx. We need to brighten this up. So right. let's put some shiny Venetian blinds in because because right. Blade Runner. And they were like, oh, okay. The whole end of this movie is because is because Blade Runner. Really? I think so. Wow. Um, I think they were just like, well, let's just cut to a place that looks like Blade Runner and, and, and do that. <laughs> yeah. And it makes no sense at all. None. None. Not a bit no of it. No sense at all. The wolves get up to the top of the building. The wolves get up to the top of a skyscraper, jump through the windows at the top of a skyscraper. Well, they're mystical beings. They're not they're you know, mystical wolves. They're mystic wolves. They're 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 shapeshifters of themselves, just not the kind we're expecting. But see, I didn't get that they were shapeshifters. I thought, I mean, they're not like, just appearing in the room at the end and disappearing out the well, window. Wasn't what, evidence to you that they were shifting they, the shape? No, there they are. But through the rest of it, you know, where are they're not shapeshift? There are they? Are we meant to believe that they are a, a tribe of shapeshifting Native Americans? No, because the if that was true, we would see somebody transform into a wolf. So they're what if they are shape shifting wolves? What are they shape shifting from? Like what what are they when they're not that shape? I you, you, listen, um, listen. I'm being Mister Logic is the problem. Listen, you want to talk fantasy? <laughs> um, I I don't know. I think uh, I think you we're both overthinking it. But I think uh, that when I said shape shifting, I meant that they shifted from the shape of a wolf to a to the shape of a ghost that could fly out of a window. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah, that's I got what that. I meant. Okay, I didn't it's mean that, that that the uh, um. The Native American uh, actors and characters in the film were were shapeshifters. I knew that they weren't technically that, or they were, but they were talking about it from a from a metaphorical point of view. Right now, that was a that was a a very uh, compelling moment in the film when he is in the Native American bar at the end of that scene when somebody turns out the light and the and the bar gets really dark. And they all start making different animal sounds and it freaks him out. Yeah. It's kind of disturbing. Yeah. I wonder if it, I wonder how that plays today. I, I wouldn't imagine that. Would I'm going gonna, gonna to bet not well. I think that would, uh, I did, I did note uh, that was going to probably be something that wouldn't play well today. Not, not well. Um, I maybe aspects of it would, I don't know, except for the fact, of course, that, Edward James almost I don't think he's not Native American, Native American so. but um there was uh, I guess the older actor who uh what's his name Del uh Birdie uh apparently is um from Pueblo Colorado I'm not going to pronounce this right but he is a certain um the, he's Apache uh, but uh, that's uh, that's why I, and a character actor who goes back a ways. He he was in a lot of stuff. 
and one of those faces that you're like, oh my god, I've seen this guy yeah, and, a million times. He was terrific. Um, but I don't. I mean, I don't know how that scene. <laughs> I don't, they they couldn't do that today, and I and it wouldn't go over well. Um, but up until that point, I remember that bar as from a kid. That bar being really kind of cool and and uh, an environment that was like really well shot and uh, very evocative and. And I remember feeling when I was a kid, when the movie came out, that I definitely wanted to be like, I wanted to walk on those bridges. You know, I wanted to be Eddie almost. I was like that, these 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 characters were awesome. And I was like, they are really cool. And it makes them um, connected to the wolves in a really interesting way. I don't really explain that. Did you, you figure? Want, you want to work the high steel, huh? I did when I was a kid. Yeah. It was a passion of mine for a while. Surprised you don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew you wanted to be an iron worker. Wow. Michael Wadley. I have nothing to say. I don't understand. Who how did it happen? I don't know. How did the two things you make be this and the movie Woodstock? I don't know. It's like if you made Grey Gardens and, uh, you know, Infinite and, 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 and uh, Furious Five. <laughs> what? The Furious <laughs> Five and yeah. Grey Gardens. Yeah. How did that happen? Right. Who are you? Yeah. I like the way the movie was shot. I thought it was pretty handsome. Nice anamorphic photography. We won't get into that. Um, because I wouldn't anamorphic. be able to the definition of that, please. You want the definition of it? I'm gonna botch this, but basically anamorphic anamorphic um refers to a type of lens that they use to they they shot with to create very wide panoramic movies with a very wide look to them. Right. And it was a way of compressing the image um when they shot it and expanding it again when they show it in the projector okay. and special lenses could do that and they gave they happened to be also very beautiful like they, they did interesting things to the image that kind of distorted them in really beautiful beautiful ways so that's cinemascope and cinerama and you know, I, you're you're actually now. This is above my pay grade, so I don't know. I don't know that, but I, I I don't I don't I think the anamorphic refers to that process of of lenses that would exp, you know compress and then exp, expand imagery. And, and, and what's the ratio? It's one to two three eight. Is that um, for, well? That is a ratio, but again, I don't know. You know, it's probably it could be. It could be a variety of things. Okay. Animal I mean, I, anamorphic there. would generally be like, uh, yeah, 235. 239, I was I mean, 239. to 1, that's what it is, right? I was close. But again, they may have, they may, there may, I don't know, because there may be lenses that do slightly less wide or, or you know. Right. Or, you know, there's not a lot that's wider, but. Right. Um, well, 
you know, I've I've covered everything I have to say about this movie. Did you see it in a theater? I believe I did back in the day. I think I went to see it with with uh, with Uncle Adam. Oh, really? That would have been fun. Our Uncle Adam. I was going to say this would have been a great date movie, like a classic date movie. It would have been of the day. Yeah. Um, Because it's kind of it's also kind of got that feel of a of a sexy erotic thriller because it starts with a lot of canoodling and a fancy limousine in the beginning. Now, honestly, I think we all should be a little ashamed of ourselves for not realizing this was kind of a ridiculous film when the first part of the movie has a couple in a tuxedo going to a very fancy event with their dog who takes an Afghan with them in a limousine. It's insane. (laughs) Completely insane. I mean, they've got the, he's got the white scarf, you know, and she's in an evening gown and it looks like a perfume commercial. It's crazy. And they've got this giant white Afghan who would have gotten hair all over his tuxedo. It never have happened. Never would have happened. We should have known. Should have known right then. That but it has that kind of veneer of of like, you know, ooh, sexy erotic Actually, thriller. Veneer? Wasn't that the guy's name? James Which... Veneer? Or the... Oh, no, it's Van Devere. But it oh, was... that's right. Yeah, Van Devere. The rich Van, guy. The rich Van, guy. Van Devere. The... Yeah. Um, but it has Gregory Hines, and it's got um, uh, the great... Uh... God, he... he... What's the not the mayor, the commissioner? Um, that character actor. Oh, oh I can't remember his name. I'm losing it. You know uh, what I didn't buy at all? What the, the whole security uh company we protect didn't understand what was happening. Why they kept cutting to this like these interrogations, and they're like, This means they're lying, and they'd like zoom in on a on yeah. a spectroscope. Yeah, the whole room's a lie detector. It doesn't make any sense. No. They could have cut all of that out and spent a little more time with Gregory Hines and maybe have him hook up with Diane Venora and it would have been a much better movie. <laughs> yeah. Or let's work in a dance number for Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines and Brishnikov doing a little dance at some point. There's room for every. There could have been room for it. There really could have been. Yeah. It's one of those movies where he, Albert Finney, somehow psychically knows she's in trouble, and goes over to outside her apartment. Happens to see something wrong. Goes up. The door's unlocked. He goes in. She's just coming out of the bathroom, and she looks at him and goes, "Oh," hi. and she knows she's like not startled, because just that's what she's not startled. She doesn't say anything. She just assumes, "Oh, he's here to save me." Yeah, yeah. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And, and then and then the scene uh, that you didn't like happens. Well, I don't buy the attraction between the two of them for a second. I had to figure that one out, too. I was because I didn't it's not even clear that they know each other. No. And and he's. He, he in 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 our sensibility now. His interest in her is nothing but creepy. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think even then it was creepy. Yeah. I think it was even in for 1980, it was creepy. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. It, Notice you don't see Albert Finney starring in any more of these movies. Like they tried <laughs> it 
and it was like it's creepy. This doesn't yeah. work. Doesn't work. Tom Jones was a long time ago. Yeah. So um we have oh, did you get my email today about my idea for a double bill that we could do? You know, I did, and I think it's a great bill. I think it's a great idea. Man on fire. 1987 and 19 uh was it 90 well i'm forgetting forgetting the years the the one from 87 is from an adult film collection yes <laughs> no no it's an actual um a 1987 man on fire and 2004 man on fire and the 87 one it's the same movie 87 is scott glenn as wow. So this is a character that existed in books before? In a book. In a book. Okay. It, both the movies are, are uh, and I believe it's Scott Glenn uh, in the first one, and then Denzel Washington in the second one. And it might be fun to watch both of those and talk about them and compare them. I'm all in. All in on that. But for next week, we have something oh so much more exciting. Next week, we've got uh, the good. We're delivering the goods next We're week. We're delivering the goods next week for our our farewell episode before my trip, because we'll be off the air for a few weeks. Our 700 season uh, episode season closer. <laughs> yeah. Is going to be, uh, what year is it? 1981 again? Um, why you put me on the spot um, like that? Um, sorry, I'll uh, it's Seth Michael May. What year? <laughs> I'm going, I'm throwing this to our producer. What year was Crime Wave? I believe it was 81, but I might be wrong. But I think it was later. It stars my very good friend Reed Bernie, who is going to be our guest. Um, this is a movie that he's somewhat embarrassed by. 1985. 1985. Um, but I had I had lunch with Reed the other day, and I said, Reed, you have a choice. We're going to do the movie no matter what. You can come on the show and defend yourself, or we will make fun of you mercilessly in your absence. Yeah, he's not getting away. You're not getting away with this. No, but he, you know, he, is he I'm just surprised like he'd be truly embarrassed by being in a Sam Raimi movie? Come I don't on. think he's truly embarrassed. Um, Reed is one of the fun, one of the most talented and one of the funniest people I know. And I'm absolutely thrilled that uh, that he will be here. That's great news. I love Reed too and I haven't seen him in a, in a long time. And it'll be great to talk with him about this. I didn't remember he was in this. So I'm, I'm hoping that that Everybody out there in YouTube land, all four and a half people watching this episode will join us. And uh, for yeah, we're, it's going to be classy. When we have guests, we get classier. It's going to be a classier, classy experience. These spiffy will be very, uh, you know, be like a Christmas spirit, even though it's not Christmas time. It'll, It'll be a Christmas episode. Right. Yeah. Shiny. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, Seth Michael May, I said four and a half people watch. Seth Michael May said, I'm the half. That's so sad. You're not the half. You're a whole thing, Seth. You are a whole thing. Yeah. Don't say this about yourself, man. 
Uh, he said it. There's nothing we can do about yeah. it. So said. we will. We will. We will. So we'll see you next week for Crime Wave. Uh, yeah, Crime Wave it is. And and our right. and our and our show the show where we haven't had a break on it forever. So this is going to be weird. Yeah. This is like be very strange. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to doing the show again from California, where I don't have to stay up so late. Yeah, you can get some sleep. I know the show's going to be better. I'll be much more awake for the show in the future. I'll have to be. I'll have to pay attention now. In other words, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to keep up with me. All right, all right. Good night, buddy. Good night, man. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.